0: You are listening to What The Dev, the weekly podcast by SD Times. In this episode, news editor Jenna Sargent-Baron continues her conversation with Anupam about what goes into testing generative AI models, the impact and use cases
1: for solutions like ChatGPT, and issues of bias and fairness in AI models. Hope you enjoy. You touched on this a little bit, but I want to talk about the idea of bias in these AI models and sort of the harm that could come from that. How can we ensure that these models are being fair? And um, also, is there anything you're seeing right now with the current models that is concerning you?
0: Yeah, that's a great question. So on fairness uh, assessments, there has been a fair amount of work uh, in the context of uh, of natural language processing and language models. Um, I think the, the way to think about it is that you want to test the model against a set of fairness metrics, see how it's doing. And if it's not doing so well, understand the root causes of it, and then work to iterate on it and improve it. Now, what have we seen in this larger space emerge over the past few years? Um, I touched on one briefly. One, of, one very interesting paper from a few years ago uh, was looking at word embeddings. Uh, the way machine learning these natural language processing models work is that it takes as input a sequence of text. Each, then it looks at each word, breaks it down into tokens, And then those tokens get converted into something called uh, embeddings, which is like a representation for words in a compact way so that it's easier to train models uh, efficiently. The details of exactly what's in the embeddings is not so important just so long as it's clear that it's a way to represent words or tokens. Now this paper, which was entitled Man is to a Programmer as Woman is to Homemaker, studied some popular word embeddings and showed that there was a lot of gender bias in the way the word embeddings worked. So one kind of test you can do with word embeddings is to do these kinds of analogy tests where you say, man is to programmer, women is to what, and then you get an answer to that question and homemaker popped up as as the top one. In fact, what had happened was that ma- many of these occupation words, which ideally would not be gendered, in the original text on which these models were trained had a, just a lot stronger association, certain occupations had stronger association with men, certain uh, certain uh, occupations had stronger association with women, and that got picked up by the, by the model. Now, Because these kinds of why is that concerning? Because word embeddings is often the building block on which every other natural language processing deep learning model is built. So the representation bias that is encoded in these word embeddings can have downstream effects on other tasks. So if for example, it's used in an autocomplete for a search system, then, then you start seeing things around uh, as you as you t- start typing in. Women should not, and you start seeing examples like should not work, should not drive, and so on. Right. So, rooting this out requires certain kinds of uh, technical methods to, um, in some ways, give an award figure out if. The model, if the word embedding has learned a gender component to it and then eliminating it if it's inappropriate, and then working with those debiased embeddings. That's one example. Another example this was a paper from Microsoft Research and um, a few other institutions a few years ago uh, at Carnegie Mellon. My research group had written a paper on gender bias and other kinds of uh not just at the word embedding level but at more end-to-end tasks so for example uh we were looking at language models language models take as input a sequence of text and predict the next word right so when this is, could be the basis of like chat gpt is a good example of a language model there are a bunch of others so in that context we found similar bias where not only was the bias in the word embeddings but the model had also picked up on that bias and reinforced it. Um, And so one of the interventions that we tried out at that point was to augment the training data so that it was more balanced. So for example, if there were sentences that were referring to men as doctors, then you add in sentences referring to women as doctors and so on so that they're matched pairs and you have a much more balanced data set then you retrain the model and the and the bias goes down quite a bit so these are just two examples but there's a body of work around measuring fairness understanding their root causes and then adjusting models to improve by augmenting the data making adjustments to word embeddings, which are building blocks of these kinds of models, or adding some constraints. When you're training the model, you add some additional constraints to push models towards becoming fair. So a number of these kinds of methods are relevant in the context of large language models as well. This is an area that is an active uh, area of both research and practice. And as people are filling out these kinds of systems in, in the real world, it's extremely important to make sure that they do assessments of quality, including performance and uh, all the other pillars I mentioned, and, and, and fairness
1: as well. Awesome. Thanks for sharing that research. To wrap things up, is there a key takeaway from this conversation that you'd really want listeners to come away from this episode with?
0: I think there's tremendous opportunity here and good reason for optimism that we are at an inflection point in the space of large language models and the impact on the world can really be very significant. At the same time, I would just uh, advise that we approach it with caution. The impact can be really great and positive. But it's extremely important to have in place frameworks and tools for testing, and debugging, and monitoring of these models to make sure that they are delivering on performance characteristics, they're doing the job that they are expected to do well, while also guarding against societal harms. Um, That would be my key takeaway, Jenna.
1: And is there anything that your company is working on right now that um, you want to share?
0: Yeah, this is an area in which we have uh, quite a bit of work. We have uh, been building tools for testing and debugging and monitoring of machine learning models and working with users across lots of verticals. We have a particular focus now on uh, natural language processing uh, and large language models. Uh, We also have an online course on AI quality that we offer for free to data scientists and machine learning engineers uh, that has had over a couple of thousand uh, registrants so far and offering it for a few few months now um, that we encourage people to check out if they're interested in this area. Uh, I'll also be in person at the World Summit AI in Montreal in April uh, where we'll talk more about these topics and would love to catch up with anyone who's interested in exchanging notes in in this really significant and transformative area of, of AI.